Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, some interesting um, things we'll hopefully learn today. We've got a special guest with us. We've got Danielle Mutzelberg from Beacon Business Accountants. Welcome. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Welcome, um, Danielle. Look, this is an episode that I've been looking forward to recording for some time. I know when we're speaking to property buyers, whether that's a home buyer or an investor, um, usually one of the first questions that we will be asking is, you know, how are you going to structure this purchase? Um, And I'd say uh, more than 80, 85% of the time, most people have not even thought about whether they should be buying the property in their own names or whether they should be looking at some other type of entity. Hence the reason to connect with an accountant and an accountant that not only will um, help you with your tax, but someone who will provide ongoing strategic advice, especially if you are purchasing property um, and especially even more so if you're purchasing more than one property and building a portfolio. So we have decided today to welcome Danielle to the Brisbane Property Podcast and we are going to be talking about the importance of getting that advice up front because the cost of not getting that can be significant down the track. So I'm super excited, Danielle, to welcome you um, to the podcast today. So Danielle, a little bit of a background. On your, on your accountancy side of things? Yeah, so I've been working as an accountant for over 15 years. Um, I started just part-time as an undergrad. So I was you know, uni sometimes, work sometimes. Um, and I've worked my way up through the organisation and through a few structural changes and name changes. And now I'm one of the directors at Beacon. Congratulations. Thank so, you. So um, very exciting to move into a director's role. I'm sure over the last 15 years you have had a lot of experience in in helping people understand the importance of getting advice up front. But just to help those that may not have actually even thought about this, what is the role of an accountant um, or what role does an accountant play before people buy property? You know, mm. where, where why would someone be coming to visit you if they're looking to buy a home or an investment? Yeah, so um, like you were mentioning before, uh, it's really important to make sure that you are purchasing your property in the correct entity. So whether that's your name, a trust, a company, a super fund, joint names, there's a whole range of options. Um, And so accountants and lawyers are probably the only ones who can really give that advice. Um, And then we're better than lawyers for that because um, we also can advise on the tax implications of those. um, And we're also just cheaper than lawyers generally. So come to us first and then we can send you to a lawyer if needed. Okay, so if somebody's looking for or looking to buy a property, Mm. at what stage should they chat to you? Is it when they're about to put an offer on a contract (laughs) on a property or is that leaving it too late? That's probably leaving it too late. Um, So definitely while you're looking around, I'd say is probably when you want to come and see us. Um, We meet with people who are saying like, oh, we're just getting all our ducks in a row. We're not really looking to buy for six months a year. That's probably a bit too early. especially if you've got an entity, because there are entity maintenance costs. So you don't want to be incurring those costs earlier than you need. Um, But certainly if you call me up on a Friday and say, I'm going to auction tomorrow, I need some advice, that is too late. late. (laughs) So if they're talking to, say, for example, somebody's looking to buy a property, they've they've had a chat to their mortgage broker, they're starting to get their finance in place. If that's underway or it's or if it's ready to go, that's probably around the time roughly? Yeah, so we'd probably want to have the entity decided before you get too far through the mortgage process. Um, Just some brokers, not brokers, some lenders are not too keen to um, 
uh, fund through um, entities. Yeah. Um, sometimes the process is a bit different or what they're looking at is a bit different. So there's nothing worse than getting it all set in your own names, then deciding you want to trust and then having to go through the finance process again because now there's a trust involved. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, lending through a trust or a company is obviously a different entity to lending a yeah. personal name, so a different assessment process. So obviously building a team up front um, is really important. And, of course, here at Streamline Property Buyers, any people that do come through. One of the first questions we ask is around the structure. And if they haven't yet thought of, you know, what that structure needs to be, we will refer to make sure that people get that advice up front. Um, and we do that before we even start to consider um, what is it that we're searching for and, and where in Brisbane are we are we going to target. Interestingly, um, you mentioned that it's a good thing for people, whether they're buying a home or an investment, to obviously have that conversation. Um, you know, when we're speaking to home buyers, for example, um, understanding why they would be, you know, getting advice up front. Can you just mm. unpack that for a home buyer? Because it makes more sense from an, from an investment perspective. Yeah. But why for home buyers as well? Yeah, it's probably a little bit less relevant for home buyers. Like if you're planning to buy a home and live in it the whole time that you own it, there's not a huge amount of options that we would really go through with you. Um, but we all do talk to a lot of people who say, look, I'm going to live in this house for a short period, like three to five years, and then I want it to become an investment property. And so there are some different options that we can go through to get you that best result for the whole life of the house. Um, that's probably the biggest reason that a, a homeowner would want to talk to us um, about structures. And I think it's a fair and valid point. I mean, a lot of people, when they're looking to buy a property, they think about getting the finance and then they'll actually start shopping and they miss that advice around tax. And that's a really valid point. You know, if you're buying a home, but the intention with that home is only to hold that um, for five years and then upgrade to another home, but but retain the existing property and convert it to an investment property, there's definitely going to be tax implications yeah. associated with that. So understanding what those tax implications are up front makes sense, right? Yeah, definitely. So different different entities, obviously buying mm -hmm. a property, you've got obviously personal names, trusts, companies, and then people buying through self-managed super? Yeah. That's the general sort of? Uh, yeah, so those are really the different types of entities that we have, at least in Australia. Yep. Um, and then each of those have different pros and cons around them. So, you know, like we were just saying, if it's a house that you're going to live in, it really needs to be personal names. Yep. Um, and then there's some discussions around, you know, if you've got a high risk spouse, um, there's some discussions around, do they own, is it joint tenants? Do, does, do you put it in the spouse who doesn't have any risk? Um, we can sort of work through that stuff with you as well. But yeah, if it's a house, it really needs to be in your own name um, for the main residence exemption. But then when we're talking about uh, investment properties, that's when you start looking at your trusts, um, super funds, which are just a special type of trust, um, and companies are other options that are um, on the table. Can you just explain the main residence exemption for those that may yeah. not be aware of that, please? Yes. Um, so uh, a house or a property um, is an asset. Uh, and in Australia, when you sell an asset, generally there is tax to pay, so that's capital gains tax. Um, your main residence is exempt from capital gains tax. And so there's some rules around that um, if it wasn't your residence for the whole time that you've owned it. Um, but yeah, in general, if you buy a property, live in it for the whole ownership period and then sell it, your uh, gain is exempt from capital gains tax. And I guess that's why getting advice in relation to the tax implications, if you only live in the property for a 
portion of the time that you own the property yeah. is really advantageous for people so yeah, that they're not sure. sort of looking to sell and then having to backtrack trying to find records to, exactly, yeah. to prove ownership. Yeah. So, so investors then, if we look to the investor side of it, why would people set up um, a trust to buy investment property? Yeah, sure. So when we're looking at uh, the entity that you're going to buy your property in, uh, we're really looking at two aspects. So the first aspect is asset protection and the second aspect is the tax consequences. Um, so asset protection uh, is really relevant when you're working in a um, high a field that has lots of high personal liability. So we're talking lawyers, we're talking doctors, mm-hmm. um, especially specialist doctors. You know, all of our clients that are specialists just don't want to have anything in their own name because if they get sued, then all those assets are at risk. Yep. Um, so that's why you would uh, consider an entity from asset protection point of view, um, and then tax the tax consequences so if you buy a property in your own name then you get the benefit of any negative gearing but you also pay the tax on the sale whereas in a trust uh, that gives you flexibility to be able to distribute that income to other people within generally within your family group although there are some other options as well Um, and so that's particularly relevant where you have um, partners who have a big income disparity um, that's getting less effective as our tax brackets get bigger. Um, Or if you have kids who are over 18 but not working full-time, so when you're uni students or at trade school or whatever, um, because then you can get income to them at a lower tax rate than you paying uh, that income in your own name. So just hearing you talking about all of this, Danielle, um, obviously there's there's a lot of complexity around Mm -hmm. understanding all of the pros and cons of this sort of thing and and understanding tax um, legislation clearly has benefits in being able to give this sort of advice. Um, You know, we have potential clients that reach out to us um, and they, they hear through the property investment space that they're you know, properties that are high growth, high yield, and and people want cash flow, positive properties and all of these things. Um, They haven't had advice up front from an accountant. They haven't considered the implications of um, high income producing properties in their own name, both now and in the future, um, which can ultimately create a tax headache Mm. for people, right? So understanding the purpose behind why people are looking to invest in property is primarily the number one step and then making sure that the asset is structured in a way that's most tax effective um, to me makes makes perfect sense. Yeah. Would yeah. you agree? That's exactly how we would see it. Um, you know, when you come and see us, we want to talk all about, you know, the property itself, like what your plans are for the property, what your family plans are. And it's not because, you know, we, we not that we don't care about your life, but it We talk to people all the time. The details of one person's life is not really sticking out in our minds. It's just so that we can get you that best advice over what's going to give you and your circumstances the best result because it's not one size fits all. You know, each family, each person has different circumstances and so a different structure is going to be right for them. I love that you say it's not one size fits all. I love that line because it's a line we use with property investing <laughs> advice as well. Yeah. Tax advice is not a one size fits all approach, nor is property investing the same type of property, the same type of strategy does not actually fit everybody's circumstances. Yeah. And it's the integration of the investment itself and the, the um, strategy around the investment with an individual's personal mm. taxation set up and the yeah. tax strategy and then obviously um, using that finance piece as well yeah. to manipulate that that tax position which we'll talk about a little bit later. 
Yeah, it's definitely something, as Melinda said, when we talk to people that inquire to use our, our, our service here at Streamline Property Buyers and we talk about, you know, it's not a blanket approach when you come to investing. Yeah. It, it's individual and yeah. it needs to match your goals and what you're trying to achieve, mm -hmm. which is exactly as you're talking about with the tax implications, what you earn, all those types of things, because um, that's what you can actually benefit even more um, when it comes to investing as well. Mm. Obviously, buying in your own name is a little bit easier to set up for sure than, yeah. the, than the trust <laughs> side of it. Um, and then there's also the company side. So, so who would typically set up as a company? Yeah, so a company we generally don't pick for investment properties. Um, the biggest drawback for companies is that they don't have access. So, so coming back to capital gains tax again, so uh, individual with a main residence exempt. Um, if it's an investment property or it hasn't been your main residence for the whole time, um, then we're looking at um, you know the capital gains tax regime. And so within that regime, uh, individuals and trusts, they have access to the general discount. So if you've held an asset for more than 12 months, only half of the gain is assessed or is taxed, whereas companies don't have access to that discount. So you're paying twice as much tax in a company on disposal of the property as you would in your individual names or a trust. And so since the main reason people have investment properties is for that capital gain or one of the big ones, yeah. um, we want to make sure that that gain, which you're hoping is big, isn't going to get taxed at the highest rate, which it would be in a company. And so typically companies would be used by um, those producing day-to-day -day income yep. through property. So property developers, as an example. Yes, yes. correct. We've had a few um, property developers with companies, for sure. And just looping back, um, I would say that the majority of first-time mum and dad property investors would purchase the first property subject to an assessment of their their risk and yep. exposure for for being um, you know sued through through the work that they do, but I would say the majority of first time mum and dad investors do purchase in their own name or you know in some sort of um, structure whereby one partner might own more than the other. But mm -hmm. um, that's obviously worked out through the conveyancing process. What are the benefits yeah. of buying in in your own name? Yeah, so the, the main benefit of buying in your own name um, is definitely, like Scott said, it's much easier, it's much cheaper to set up, it's no extra cost, it's just whatever the property is is bringing in and costing you. Um, the other main one is around negative gearing. So if a property is negatively geared, um, in a trust, that loss is quarantined within the trust. So it just builds up until the property becomes positively geared or until you sell it and then it offsets that capital gain. Uh, whereas if you buy a negatively geared property in your own names, then that loss gets to offset your other income and you get to have that tax deduction immediately. Um, so yeah, if someone comes to us and they say, look, the only way that we can afford this property is to access those immediate tax benefits, it has to go into their personal names. It's really interesting you talk about gearing and I know a lot of investors get a little bit confused about the difference between something like a, a negatively geared property mm -hmm. and a, a negative cash flow property. Yep. They're not they're not one and the same thing. It's no. the same as a positively geared <laughs> property and a, a positive cash flow property. Yep. And, you know, when we're using our investment software for our clients from an investment perspective, we can show that a property might be positively geared but actually negative cash flow. Yep. And quite often that comes down to the way they've structured their funding. Correct, yeah. Um, so I think it's really important for, especially for property investors, to understand the difference. And if you if you don't understand the difference, just um, can you explain yeah. negative gearing versus negative cash flow, for example? Yes, yeah, sure. So uh, that's a big thing that often comes up with our clients that we have to like walk them through. Uh, so 
negatively geared properties, we're talking about they are um, you make a loss on that property from a tax perspective. And the biggest difference between that and cash flow is tax doesn't include uh, loan principal payments. So if you're paying $3,000 a month off your loan, but only half of that is interest, then only $1,500 gets to be deducted against that rental income. So it's very common for uh, people to have positively geared properties. So they're making a profit on the property on paper, but it's still to be cash negative because they're having to pay that principal as well. And that doesn't get to be um, claimed as a tax deduction. And that is just a massive aha moment that a lot of our clients have when mm. we're sitting down in a strategy session because uh, you know, when you are set up on principal and interest lending, your property is very likely to be negative cash flow mm. for a lot longer than it is likely to be negatively geared, for example. So understanding the difference is crucial. And if you don't understand the difference, um, just loop back and um, and listen to Danielle's explanation again, because I think that's really important for investors to understand. Just because you're putting cash into a property to hold that property, that may not all relate to the tax position. So you really need to understand the difference. Yeah, I'll just um, add into that. It also comes out the other end where a lot of times people will sell their property and they'll make, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, because the property, whatever the cash they get in is what they sell the property for less what the loan balance is. And then we come back and we say, well, your gain is actually much higher or lower because again, the gain is calculated on sale price, less purchase price. Not, it has nothing to do with sale price, less loan proceeds and the cash you actually receive. So yeah, a lot of people get caught out on that. You know, they don't have money left over to pay the tax because the capital gain is different to the cash gain that they get. So information that you'd ask to determine and i know we've probably touched on this a little bit when we talked about strategy and income and things like that but let's just run over that again of what sort of information you'd be asking to determine the entity that people might look to buy um, for the right you know for that sort of client yeah. what sort of things would you be asking yeah so we're looking at what your intentions are for the property um, so is it an investment is it where you're going to live is it a mix of both um, and obviously we don't have a crystal ball you don't have a crystal ball like it's just working on the best information that you have at the time um, so yeah we're looking at intentions for the property uh, and um, what your family situation is. So again, the advice that we give to a confirmed bachelor in his 50s, not really ever intending to have um, have kids or a partner is very different to someone who um, might be starting out their life or in the middle of their life with kids. And yeah, just the family situation is really important um, as well as yeah, intentions for that property and what you're what you wanting to get out of it. And if, for example, you know, there's an investor that might already own um, one or two properties in their own name, um, I'm guessing land tax implications might oh, sure, come yeah. into play because there's obviously land tax thresholds that need to be considered. Yep. Um, and, of course, here in Queensland, if you are buying in a company or a trust structure, the land tax threshold is $350,000 of the unimproved land value per property, or sorry, not per property, in total, in aggregate um, um, value. But in individual names, you have up to $600,000 per person. Yes. So if yeah. you're buying in joint names, you'll have a combined value of $1.2 million yeah. before land tax will be applicable. Yeah. Does that come into the advice that you would give if someone's building a portfolio? Uh, for sure. And it's definitely something that we touch on. Um, some of our clients uh, avoid land tax at all costs. And then obviously, if you're building a portfolio, 
you know, 1.2 million is a lot for a couple, but you will hit that eventually. Um, so yeah, some of our clients, they'll say, look, I want each property in a trust, in a new trust, so I don't have to pay land tax. Um, others don't mind taking that bit of a hit to not have that extra complexity that an extra entity brings along with it or extra cost. Um, yeah, it's definitely a touching, a talking point when we are doing advice. You would have had that um, conversation a few times a couple of months ago. If oh, yeah. They changed the land tax rule, that's for sure. That was, uh, that was an interesting headache. few weeks, yeah. <laughs> a lot of scared investors and, um, you know, a lot of lobbying against the government, yeah. but common sense prevailed there. Um, and look, I think that um, the other thing that, that I'm sure is discussed is income levels because, you know, again, depending on an individual's um, tax liability from, from a personal perspective, it's something that would be considered depending on what type of asset they're buying. Yeah, for sure. And especially, like I was saying, with our tax brackets getting bigger, which is a good thing overall, but it means that if both, um, both members of a couple are sitting right in the middle of a tax bracket, there's not actually any benefit in being able to ha- be flexible with that distribution of profit because it doesn't matter who it goes to, it's still getting taxed at the same rate. So mm. that has definitely impacted the um, whether a trust is a good fit for some people or not. And, of course, we make these great decisions at the time of purchasing, but, you know, as we nearly experience, sometimes there's legislative changes, sometimes there's tax changes, which can influence our overall investment strategy. But I guess getting the advice up front at the time that you're making the property decision is the most important thing. Um, and then we obviously need to do annual reviews to pivot and, and change um, in the event there's changes to legislation and then it's about understanding how that impacts us at a portfolio level again. So buying in the wrong entity. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if somebody does buy and they want to transfer it or they want to change names, yeah. what's, what's the big implications? Uh, we generally only recommend that in very limited circumstances um, because it is considered a sale. So and as that full market value because you're talking about yep. sale between related entities. Um, so the biggest cost is um, if you have, like, generally what happens is people buy it in their own names and they hear something like this or they talk to their neighbour in the backyard and think, oh, maybe I should have put it in a trust and they'll come and talk to us. Um, so the biggest issue is if the property has gone up in value, then you will have personally have capital gains tax. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while you would have that to pay when you eventually sold the property, there's no cash changing hands in this situation. So where's the money coming from to pay that capital gains tax? Um, and then also it's a full stamp duty yeah. transaction again. So, you know, stamp duty on a $500,000 property is just under $16,000 at the moment. On a $750,000 property, it's $27,000. So you've really got to go, am I going to get $27,000 worth of value out of changing from individuals to a trust? And so really, unless there's a good reason from an asset protection point of view for wanting it in a trust, we're probably going to say, look, just leave it where it is. And for the next one, let's talk about structure. So yeah. get the right advice up front and do it right the first time. That's yeah. probably what you're saying. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so it's very expensive otherwise. Yeah. I think also, um, you know, we can talk a little bit about um, how we can manipulate the way we set up our finance to be most the most tax effective um, setup, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're purchasing for investment um, properties. Now, I know, again, when we're sitting down with property investors and we look at assets and liabilities and we look at expenses and income, um, we'll always determine whether they have personal debt. Mm-hmm. And if someone is in the process of buying their own home and they have a mortgage on that home and yet they're looking to start an investment portfolio, um, obviously, 
the difference between the two types of debt from a tax perspective is very different. Can you just explain that? Yeah, so the fundamental difference is that interest on personal debt is not tax deductible, whereas interest on investment debt is tax deductible. Um, And so, yeah, it's definitely really important to make sure that your um, loans are structured properly as well to really complement the um, structure who owns the property um, that structure as well, yeah. So should uh, should property buyers be talking to their mortgage broker around the best finance for their purchase or should they be talking to their accountant about the best structure for that finance? Because obviously, you know, there's implications from a tax perspective in the way they set that up. Yeah, it really needs to be a conversation between the three of us, mm. um, you know, so there's no point really in going to your mortgage broker, having everything all structured, you know, getting the best loan possible and then coming to us and, you know, working out that the trust is the best structure and then starting that process all over again because now the trust is involved and it's different. Similarly, there's no point in coming to us, deciding to do a trust and then going back to your mortgage broker and they say, oh, well, we can't do it because it's in a trust now. Now, you know, so it's it's really something that we've got to um, all be in concert with. So talk to your mortgage broker, talk to us. We can talk to the mortgage brokers for you as well. And everyone gets on the same page. And sometimes that means a less than perfect structure or a le- or maybe slightly higher interest rate. And so, again, that's where we talk about what are your personal values? What are you trying to get out of it? Maybe it is okay to pay a little bit more interest to get that asset protected. Maybe the protection isn't worth that extra bit of interest and you want to just keep it in your own name. But until you have all that information, you can't make those decisions. I think that's really what you sort of touched on there about the accountant and the mortgage broker. It's the team. Yeah. And it's having the right team around you to help you get that set up correct the Mm. first time to avoid those mistakes we talked about, Mm. (laughs) whether it's tax, whether it's stamp duties, all those types of things. There's, there's so many mistakes that people can make, mm. but if they get that information up front, they talk to the right people and get the team around them, yeah. that's, a, that's a huge thing when it comes to, I think, investing um, in property. I was talking to someone the other day and they were talking about individuals and teams and whether it's sport or whether it's investing mm. in property. And, and a team is, is usually more successful on those For individual sure. side of it. So and it comes back to investing in property, mm. um, having that team structure around you as well. I think also, um, you know, from, from a a tax perspective, uh, borrowers also need to understand the purpose of the funds, not just what is being used as equity for the funds. Yes. Um, Can you just explain that a little bit more as well? Yeah, for sure. So this is another common thing we have to walk our clients through. Um, Mortgage brokers are often very focused on where's the equity coming from? So where's this uh, loan being secured against? Um, And then for a lot of people, that ties in their mind to you know, this loan that is secured against property A is claimable against property A. Whereas the ATO says it's really the purpose of the funds that dictates whether or not it's deductible. So yes, the loan might be secured against property A, but if it was for the purchase of property B, then that interest is deductible against property B. And so that comes up often, um, you know, in the situation we've been talking about where you might buy a place and live in it, and then five years later, turn that into an investment property and go and buy you know, another home, what people will, will want to tend to do is to borrow as much as possible for their um, their home that they're going to live in, but that debt becomes non-deductible. Mm-hmm. And so what you want to do is keep as much debt against the investment property and as little debt against your home so that you are not paying, not losing that deductibility on your private debt. So what I've picked up there, Danielle, and it's an excellent point, anyone that's purchasing a home today, but it's not their forever home, Mm. Um, preserving the future tax deductibility of that debt makes sense. Now, I'll just say that again, preserving the future tax deductibility of that 
debt makes sense. So what that means is potentially rather than repaying principal repayments, setting up offset accounts and putting your cash in um, to offset so that you can use that cash towards the next purchase of your own home, rather than taking out a new loan for the purpose of buying another personal asset because that becomes non-deductible debt. So loop back again if you didn't um, understand that, but it's a massive tip for people that are not buying their forever home. Um, if you're buying something that's a stepping stone home and you do intend to hold on to it, um, preserve the future tax deductibility through clever finance strategy. And if you don't know how to do that, um, you need to work with a team that can provide that sort of strategic advice for you. And you will thank your future self because you will have less tax, tax to pay in the future. Uh, and I think it's interesting as well when you talk about you know mixing up whether it's personal, personal debt or investment debt, mortgage structure, paying paying different interest rates, there is so many complex moving parts and, and you really have to weigh up what is the best for you in the long term for what your strategy is. And we, we've talked about this as well, the strategy, the setup, the plan and actually nutting it all out before you actually just jump in and go, yeah, look, I want to buy that property. I want to buy an investment property. You get your answer, you get everything set up really well. It just makes everything so much better in the long run and it also helps you for future developments yeah. and or for investments, I should say. Um, and, and also that tax side of things as well. Yeah. I'm going to ask you, Danielle, um, if you can share with us some mistakes that you see people making when buying property. And if I was to ask you for your top three, what would the first one be? <laughs> yeah. So I think the biggest one um, we've just touched on it is mixing your purpose of funds. Uh, so the other thing that comes out of that is um, a lot of people will do things like use a line of credit um, or they will draw down on a loan well in advance of when they need it and just put that money into an offset account. Um, and so as soon as we have mixed funds like that, um, it makes it harder for us to track through what interest is related to which, you know, which property, if you've got personal or other personal debt like your car in there, that makes our job a lot harder. And so costs more to get your tax done. Um, the other thing is that the ATO says, look, we can't silo those different things. So if you have a loan that is 50% personal and 50% investment, when you make repayments to that, those repayments are allocated 50% personal and 50% investment. And there is no way to get that untangled other than completely paying that loan down. And so even refinancing, the ATO would say that ref those percentages just come across in a refinance. Mm. And so, yeah, you really want to avoid mixing debt like that. So, yeah. you know, you can always secure multiple loans against one property. That's normally okay if you're with the same lender, but that is more preferable to have, you know, my loan for property A and my loan for property B, as opposed to one loan that is for both properties. Makes perfect sense. Um, so another example, what's another mistake you, you see people making? Yeah, so another mistake um, is around refinancing. Um, so in terms of you might have set it up really well at the start, a loan for each property, and then you go and refinance and suddenly they're all combined or suddenly you've got two new loans but one loan was used to pay out half of each of them and then you you know you end up with multiple loans that have multiple purposes um, and it just gets more and more tangled so if you're doing a refinance you really want to just fund dollar for dollar a refinance um not oh well i ha i have you know i have five hundred and fifty thousand dollars of debt let's just refinance this that to six hundred thousand and we'll work out what to do with the fifty thousand later like that's just not going to work mm -hmm. um or it makes things more complicated on yeah. our end yeah 
Is there a third one or is the third one get some advice from an accountant? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so the third one, uh, the other thing that we really see happen a lot is um, mismatched owners of properties and owners of loans. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the ATO says that whoever um, is the borrower, that's who the interest belongs to. So if you have a property owned by a trust and a loan in a personal name, that can cause issues. Um, we've seen it before where the property is owned equally by spouses, but only one spouse has the loan. And so then we have to put documents in place where, you know, the spouse that has the loan is then on loaning half of that funds to his uh, to his wife so that both of them can claim half of that interest, otherwise half the interest is lost. So it sounds like it gets very complex and you obviously have a lot of untangling to do <laughs> with some people. And by the time they get around to the untangling, it's almost too late uh, because it's going to cost a lot of time and um, and potentially advice to, to get it back to something that, that is cleaner and makes more sense. So, you know, to get advice up front, how much does it cost? Um, so we always have our first consultation with new clients that is on the house um, because it's a bit of an interview both ways. You know, you're interviewing us to see whether we have the knowledge to see whether we're a good fit for your team. Um, and then, you know, we're also interviewing you to see what sort of client you'd be like, what we might need to what we might be able to help you with, um, what other needs that you might have that we can uh, that we can meet as well, not just in your property. Um, so yeah, on the house is our, our first consultation is on the house. Um, and then after that, uh, it sort of depends what you're looking for in terms of advice. So if you've got, we'll often do um, scenario analysis. So if what happens if I sell my property today, next year and five years, um, which of these properties should I keep? Which should I sell? We can do all of that stuff. So all that stuff is um, a fixed fee upfront. So we'll get the scope from you first and then we'll be able to quote for that advice. Um, or if it's just a, hey, I just need to have a quick chat about something, um, it's normally just on an hourly rate, which we'll confirm with you before. We had a client um, just recently um, after the strategy session, we suggested they reach out to their accountant to get some advice around structure. And um, the accountant at that time just sent them through the pros and cons of buying in their own name versus buying in a trust. Now, that's not advice in my opinion. No. <laughs> um, and and we, we just said, look, we feel like you need advice and, and made an interest production um, elsewhere for them to get that. In mm-hmm. fact, we, we sent them to you guys. Um, where do you work? What's How do people get in touch if they're wanting to get this sort of advice? Yeah. So um, yeah, like we said at the start, I'm from Beacon Business Accountants. Uh, our office is over at Kangaroo Point, just under the Storybridge Hotel. Um, so you can always give us a call. So our number is uh, 0733916300. Um, or you can contact myself or my business partner. Um, so my email is daniellem at bbacc.com.au. And Danielle Motzelberg. Um, and Michael's is michaelb at bbacc.com.au. Um, so either one of us will be able to help um, or point you to someone who can. We'll put the um, the contact details in the show notes so that it's much easier in case people didn't get a chance mm-hmm. to write that down. But um, easy way to get in touch and obviously get some advice up front. It costs you a lot less to get the advice before you buy um, compared with the implications if you get it wrong down the track. Yeah, yeah look, I, I, Danny, I thank you so much for coming in today. It's been no, good to have pleasure. a chat. I, I, that's, there's a lot of... There's a lot of information there. I think there's a lot of advice you get actually help people out. And I, I would strongly recommend people to get in touch. Yeah. Um, if they want want some help, if they're getting structure, they're getting set up, definitely get in touch with you guys to have a chat. 
um, point them in the right direction mm -hmm. and avoid making mistakes. For sure. So thank you very much. I'll let Melinda wrap it up as we normally do. Um, really appreciate coming in for having a chat um, from me. Thanks very much and take care and bye for now. Yes, Danielle, thanks so much for joining us again today. Oh, thank you so much for having us. You're very welcome. And I hope that um, all of our listeners have enjoyed um, understanding more about the importance of getting tax advice upfront from a licensed um, accountant. Um, as always, if you've enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and family. We would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes to tell others um, you know, what you think about this podcast. But as always, have a fabulous week and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.